You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 258, Janelle Wood and the Shaping of Identity. So much comes down to this. Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Thank you so much for listening. I'm glad that you are here. Um, I'm glad that you've downloaded this episode. I can promise you that it's going to be a great one and you're going to enjoy it. Would you do me a favor? If you enjoy this show, if you show up and listen once in a while or regularly, and podcasting comes up. Start, I don't know if you know this, but more people are listening to podcasts than ever these days. So it's more likely you're going to be in conversation about podcasting. Uh, if it does, just mention the show to a friend and let them know that you've been listening to Halfway There and that they would love it as well. We have so many episodes. We've got something that will connect and relate to, I think, just about everybody. So I'd really appreciate that. Okay, on with our show. I'm so excited to to introduce to you one of uh, my podcasting friends. I really love the way podcasting brings people together. She's the host of Finding Something Real, Janelle Wood. Janelle, welcome to Halfway There. Uh, Eric, I'm excited (laughs) to be here. I just really admire you and the work that you're doing. So it's an honor to be here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It is fun. And I tell you guys, you're you're one of our gold members, but all the time that it's just, it's the coolest thing. And it's I've grown so much by being a podcaster, right? Hearing stories. And I know that you guys have that same experience, right? Well, and you're the kind of leader that someone like me wants to follow because you're <laughs> humble and authentic and that um, it it feels very genuine. So um, for anyone listening out there, like, I think you're the real deal. So well, I'm, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> that's super kind of you. That's super kind. I've been, so I literally just got off a call earlier with Chuck DeGroat, who wrote a book called When Narcissism Comes to Church. So that's like the opposite, right? Like, <laughs> those kind of things. Anyway, uh, thank you for saying that. You're very kind. Let's talk about you because that will make me feel a lot more comfortable. So I gave you that really <laughs> short, uh, <laughs> short introduction of, uh, about kind of your podcast, but there's a lot more to Janelle than the podcast. So tell us about you and kind of where God has you right now. Yeah, well, I live in Washington state where it's currently 110 degrees, which is unusual for us. Um, But thankfully I live on the east side of the mountains. So we have air conditioning. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately a lot of people don't right now. Um, But I'm a wife. Uh, My husband and I have been married for almost 17 years. I'm married to a really special guy named Brian. Um, He's very sarcastic and that drives me crazy, but (laughs) it works. And then we have four uh, children ages 12. I'm getting them wrong. uh, 12, nine, seven, and just turned six. Nice. Um, And so uh, we are very blessed, two boys, two girls. And then I am an exchange, international exchange coordinator for a high school exchange program. It's a secular program, but I help place students in homes, local homes, um, with host families. And we personally have hosted now three girls um, from around the world at different times. Um, we have, uh, I call them my daughters. Our daughter uh, in the Netherlands, she's 21. Our daughter from Taiwan, who's actually visiting right now, she's going to be 19 here. And then our daughter from Italy, who is um, 18. And then we have a daughter that we didn't actually get to host because of COVID, oh. um, but we talk to her every week as well. And she's from Sweden and she's 18. So wow. um, we we enjoy uh, living a crazy full life. And uh, yeah, that's a little bit about who I am personally. I, I love that. Yeah. And that whole thing is is uh, with the exchange students. How did you get into that? And how did that, how'd that happen? Oh, man. Oh, it's total total God story, really. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home and I... I really struggled with a lot of different issues and I don't have to get into all of that, but um, I, I came to this point where I was always comparing all the time, uh, my faith journey, everything in my life. But I was like, man, if God is who he says he is, I want to give him everything. Um, I want to be poured out. 
And I started listening to this pastor out of California while I was doing laundry, while I had my baby strapped to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was a pastor named Francis Chan. And he was talking about crazy love. And I started reading that book and I thought, I want to be all in. And so I started telling my husband, I said, we've got room. Maybe we could, you know, adopt, maybe we could foster, maybe we could do all these different things. And um, maybe we could like downsize and move overseas. I don't know. I had all these crazy plans. (laughs) And my husband, I tend to be the more dramatic one in our family and he's more even keeled. Um, He's like, well, let's pray about all those things. And fast forward uh, through a series of events that happened one weekend. Um, the opportunity to host an exchange student kind of fell in our laps. And I was like, God, is this really from you? Because uh, they're not orphans or widows. I don't know. I want to do like Uh. this amazing thing and this. And God just made it very clear that it was up to him how I was going to be poured out. And, um, And we said yes to opening up our home. And man, it's been amazing. Well, how did God make that clear? Oh, well... I was praying like, and I was a busy, busy mom. My youngest at the time was under one year, one year old. And so I was away at a women's retreat and I was at the ocean, which I love going to the ocean. Yeah. I always feel really close to the Lord there. It's amazing. The ocean is, yeah. I grew up in Iowa. So like I go see the ocean. I'm like, this is exotic. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing because you look at the waves and you just go, wow, God, uh, how, how big are you? How majestic you are. And I remember just sitting there on the beach and saying, God, I want to be all in. I, I, I'm available. Show me how, how to live out. I don't know. I just want to be available, which frankly, being a wife and a mom and, you know, doing all those things and serving in my family, that could have been, that could have been all of it. But my heart's desire was I wanted to do something, you know, and that weekend, um, I had seen a sign and it said like a literal sign at a coffee shop and it said, host an exchange student. And I remember just asking in my spirit, God, is that for me? And then uh, later that weekend, I went to the shop uh, in Cannon Beach, Oregon, and it was, it's now closed, unfortunately, but it was called Josephine's. And the guy that was there, he was French and it was so interesting. We got into this spiritual conversation that was really intense. It was something that I have hardly ever experienced in my life. Um, And I ended up giving him my Bible that weekend and like writing him this long letter that I ended up taking a picture of, but I'm like, God does love you. Like (laughs) this person, John was his name. And it kind of foreshadowed what would become of our lives because um, after we said yes to exchange and we met our daughter Lika um, through, you know, Zoom calls or um, what was it? Skype. Skype calls. Um, we started researching about the Netherlands and we realized what a secular country it was and how like maybe this could be something uh, that we could be poured out for and just to um, be on mission in our own home and love people where they're at. And so, yeah, oh, I, I don't that. know if that answers your No, question. that's perfect. Yeah. That's great. Okay. I love that. So we have an episode with some friends of mine who actually just moved to the Netherlands uh, to be missionaries. Actually, which is kind of interesting. So, um, all right. So that's, so I kind of dove into that because I was curious how, how you kind of, how you got into all that, but I want, I do want to go back. So you said you grew up in a Christian home Mm -hmm. and okay. So was that in Oregon also? No, uh, in Washington state, 45 minutes North of Seattle. Okay. So, you know, that to those of us from the Midwest, it's all the same. It's just the Northwest. It's fine. (laughs) It's a bunch of liberal Oregon, Washington, whatever. (laughs) Coast, yeah. yeah, liberal. All right, so okay, so Washington, okay, Christian family. What was that? What was that like? What was your kind of impression of God in those days? Yeah, well, my mom came to faith when she was 16 years old at a Christian camp. Um, she had grown up in a very dysfunctional family, um, and my dad had grown up in a Lutheran home, um, but had kind of walked away from faith um, because of various trauma in his life, and so um, when they met, my mom is 13 years younger than my dad. And he had two, um, two daughters from a previous marriage. Um, and so when I was born, I had two older sisters, uh, nine and 11 years older than me, who were kind of in and out of my life, uh, as they got older. And I dealt with a lot of rejection issues because of of Mm. some things that weren't their fault, but just came as a part of, 
the result of trauma. Yeah. And my mom, you know, she wasn't perfect, but she was very passionate about Jesus. And I wanted to be like my mom and I wanted to please her, you know? And so my view of Jesus was really based a lot on my Mm. mom getting up early in the morning, reading scripture, highlighting her Bible all the time, taking us to church. My dad worked on the weekends um, and she would take my younger brother and I and my sister to church all the time, you know, and she did that often looking like a single mom. Um, I just really admired her passion for the Lord. And so when I was three or four years old, I just started asking Jesus into my heart all the time. And I, I fell in love with Jesus at at an early age. You know, I talk on my podcast about having these ups and downs in my faith journey, but I never came to the point where I didn't want the Lord. Um, I dealt a lot with insecurity and a lot of lies with my identity. Um, but I, I always wanted Christ because I loved, I loved who he was. So, yeah. Like what? Like what? Yeah. Uh, well, finding something real, real is an acronym for restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. That's what I believe we can find in, in Jesus. That's what I found in Jesus. So when I would tell myself lies about like, if only I was good enough, my sisters wouldn't leave or they would love me. Um, I knew that the scripture said, no, you are chosen. You are loved. Yeah. I knew that Jesus still like, whispered in my ear, like, no, that's a lie, Janelle. Um, I knew that I had hope in something better because of Christ. I knew that I could come just as I was with him. I knew that I could be loved fully for who I was and that his love was greater than any kind of hardship or drama or ups and downs, whether somebody liked me or didn't like me. Um, That's what I found in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that was really early even for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was, I remember the day that my oldest sister left our home. Uh, I mean, she, she kept coming back, but I think I was four years old and my mom, like it was nighttime and my mom gave me this like little cup of, um, I don't even, it, who knows if it was a cup, but it was, um, orange sherbet. And to this day, if I have orange sherbet, it reminds me of that day my sister left. Cause she was my favorite person in the world. And she yeah. was beautiful. Like my sister's so beautiful, half Filipino, dark, I'm very white. Um, I just constantly wondering like if I could only be good enough, um, you know, I'd be accepted. Yeah. So you were wor- worrying about how you compared to them. Yeah. 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 And then they reject you and then, all right. and then that's all downhill. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And which, okay. Yeah. So Growing, growing up, you grew up in, in a church and like you're going to youth group and all that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. All the things, all the things, you know, <laughs> our family, <laughs> my mom uh, and my dad. My dad was involved when he could be. Um, my dad and my mom were both involved in the Assembly of God Church. Um, my dad was involved with Royal Rangers. He was one of the leaders or he was the leader. My mom was involved with Missionettes, did VBS and, you know, the harvest parties that, um, you know, on Halloween. I don't even think we called it Halloween, all the things. (laughs) And then, um, when I was 10, I want to say 10 years old, we went to uh, the free Methodist church in town because they had an amazing youth program. And my mom really saw, um, that this was a place for her children. And so she made a lot of sacrifices for us to go there. And it was there, um, Eric, that I really, you know, I, it's amazing. We can talk about Jesus. We can get in the word. We can do all these different things, but the Christian walk was never meant to be walked alone. And so when we find community, when we see people living it out in a way that's authentic and real and genuine and not perfect, but like on fire for the Lord, um, I found that at the Snohomish Free Methodist Church. My pastor's name was Jonathan Schmidt. Um, and between the ages of 13 and 16, uh, he was, a, he was an, <laughs> I don't even know how to share this. Like, the closest thing to Jesus that I ever saw here on earth, the way he treated people. Well, that's, I mean, that's a really high praise for a, for a youth pastor. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. What was something that he said to you or taught you that really stood out and kind of shaped your mm -hmm. understanding of what it's like to be, uh, you know, walking with God? Yeah. Well, we went on a trip to the Philippines, um, and I was 15 years old and it was like this really large group. We were a group of, I think, 40 or 50 of us. And 
we were there touring around the country doing a one hour allegory of the biblical story. And I remember one night, I want to say like 80 college students um, came to the Lord. Wow. And I remember his favorite verse was Galatians 6, 9. Do not grow weary in doing good for the proper time. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I remember him saying to all of us teenagers, and we didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> right. I remember him telling us later, you did not sow the seeds for this. Right. Other people have been doing the work and you get to see a harvest here tonight. Like it was just this like appreciation for God, the way that he talked about God. I remember him talking about, you know, his relationship when he knew he was called and all these different things. I, I wanted what he had, you know, and I remember too him at one point praying for talking about praying for a burden for the lost, the way he would get up there on stage or wherever he was sharing and be vulnerable about his own mistakes that he made. Um, it was just real. It was real and it was really beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. All right. Friends, if you're listening, youth pastors, if you're listening, take note, <laughs> right? Because so important. so important and it can really, um, set that example, right? So is what I'm hearing you say to correct me if I'm wrong, but that sort of sets you, you set your sights by the stars that you see. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you see someone who really loves the Lord, it's one reason I do this show, right? It's my whole joy. Not, not all of us are there. You know, we have a lot of life to live, but when I, like I interviewed a woman in our church who just died in the last couple of weeks, last month, um, her name, well, it was amazing. I'm Edith Leland. She's on the show. I can't remember like episode 95 or something a long time ago, but she like just, demonstrated the Lord, right? Like she just loved the Lord in a way like she was so much further down the journey. Right. And I want to, and I share that because it helps you, helps me set myself. Like, that's what I want to be like, right. To help me kind of go veer toward something else. Like, okay. Don't want to be like that. It sounds like that's what this youth pastor kind of yeah. had an effect on for you. Yeah. It was that well done, good and faithful servant mentality to run your race, you know, don't grow weary. And when you do grow weary, Find other believers to help you. Right. You know, like, and how how mature. See, this is like oh, to, to say, hey, look, you guys didn't, you harvested, but you didn't plant that. Mm -hmm. And remember that there's a whole rest of the body, right? To respect the rest of the work of the of the body. Not Which was so done. wise because now I get to plant a lot of seeds. I don't get to see the harvest as much, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, because I remember when we started hosting exchange students, I was like, this girl is going to get saved. She's going to come to the Lord. I just know it. There's no question. We're going to be walking with Jesus. She's going to be living in a Christian home. She's going to see all the things she needs to see. And bam, she's going to come to Jesus. And God was like, yeah, Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> Not what I'm asking you that's to do. my work. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Oh, see, and that's interesting because there's a lot that can happen if you don't do the part that God's calling you to do and let him do his part. Okay. Can I, Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting because two years ago I was in the Netherlands visiting my exchange daughter and her family. And I was having a conversation about this pastor, Jonathan Schmidt, and what an example of Christ he was to me. And I was sharing it with her younger sister. And I was sharing about how my favorite name was Jonathan because of my pastor. She's like, well, you don't have any kids named Jonathan. I'm like, yeah, my husband had veto power, like all these different <laughs> things. And um, we had like this really sweet conversation, very memorable. And a few weeks later, um, Jonathan passed away in a tragic car accident. Mm -hmm. And um, he wasn't that old, you know, he was in his fifties. And I just, you just never know. And for me, um, yeah, his legacy is, is just that Galatians 6, 9, it's to um, remember that we're here on purpose, you know? So. Wow. All right. That's a good word, Janelle. Okay. So this, <laughs> Jonathan was one of the stars that you could sort of set your course by. So where did you go after that kind of word that, where that take mm -hmm. you? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I was always very, uh, romantically driven. Um, again, going back to like that place of like, ah, loving Jesus and kind of hating myself on the inside. Um, and so I was looking for love in all the wrong places. Uh -huh. And um, I found a, a boy in my um, 
in my high school youth group that I, I kind of liked. We became, we were friends and then we became more than friends and we went to the same college eventually. And we just had this on again, off again relationship. Um, and he had become, um, much more agnostic in his faith. He wasn't sure he believed in God anymore. And I knew that I didn't, that I wanted to live my life for Jesus. Um, and I knew that the scriptures say, do not become unequally yoked. Um, but I, I kept on falling back into this. Um, it was sin, this sinful relationship with this young man. And um, every time I would give it up, I'd go back to it. And it was many times um, to the point where God removed that relationship from my life. Uh, and, and actually, not everybody has a story like that, but mm. that happened for me. I was like literally telling God, like, I'm going to choose my sin instead of you. Um, I want him more than I want you. Um, and God didn't give me over to it. Um, and so I went through a season of grieving and uh, like humbling myself before the Lord. What does that mean though? Did did he, did he like move across country? Did he get hit by a bus? Oh man, I can tell you the details. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just, I just know people are going to wonder like, what does that mean? Cause here's the thing we're talking about experience, right? So like, what, what, what happened? Yeah. Well, what happened was he was going to be a medical doctor and he was getting his MCAT and we were both very strong-willed people. And so we had like this fire and ice kind of relationship. And uh, the night that he finished his MCAT, I had just told myself that I was going to, I was going to give him my, myself. And, um, and that night we broke up and uh, it was pretty devastating. You were like, okay, I'm, I'm all in. And then he was like, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. And th- that had happened on like some level back and forth, but not to the point where I knew that I was just, just turning completely away. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I, I can understand why you didn't want to say that. <laughs> I get you. Sorry. Okay. What I was, what I wanted to know, like, is the, is the details because when you say like God, uh, God, you know, I, it was clear that God, God was taken that away. Like, so, well, so you interpreted it, that as, okay. You, it, you can do what you want with that, but, um, you know, six months before that happened, um, I had, our relationship had been good and I'd been praying to God and I was like, you know, uh, this boy and I, things seem to be going pretty good. If it's not from you, Lord, uh, you can take it away. Uh, like not like kind of halfway uh-huh. in my mind thinking God wasn't really going to do anything. We broke up the next day. Again, the same type of thing, Eric. It was so clear in my mind that God was like, not for you. Um, and yet I was just like, no, I, I want this guy. <laughs> yes. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you decide, all right, this God's, after this last time, you're like, okay, God's definitely leading me away from this. Where, well, the last time I had no choice because he moved on with a girl that he had been back and forth with as um. well. There you go. Um, and I went to therapy because I I said to myself, and this was before I knew that he was with the other girl. I I said, I don't want, uh, I don't want, I keep getting caught in this sin pattern. I don't want to do this anymore. Um, so I don't know. Um, but I, I would almost guarantee that if he had, I mean, I, who knows? Only God knows. But if he hadn't ended up with that other girl, I don't know. I don't know if mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have gone back. He ended up marrying her less than a year later, a year later. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's done. So what, what happened next? <laughs> you can cut any of that out. All point. right. <laughs> no, it's what good. Next? Well, I, okay. But, but so here I'll, I'll, I'll make a really great theological point. If I may say so myself, yes. you, because, uh, I mean, you, so you, when you first introduced that whole thing, you were like, well, it was clear that God was taken away. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can say that now looking back at it going, oh, that's mm-hmm. what was happening. And we well, don't always have those kinds of feelings in the middle of the, in the middle. It's funny that you say that, Eric, because I was a journaler back in the day before all oh, these kids yeah. came into my life. And I wrote a letter to myself in the winter of that year. And I said, dear Janelle, he's not, <laughs> you know, that you're living in sin. You need to give this guy away. You, wow. you know that God is better. You know it. Yeah. Um, so I did know. Um, it wasn't just hindsight. I 
I spent so much time in this place called Alexander Chapel. It was this really quiet old building on campus. And on the second floor, there was a stained glass space, like just this little tiny chapel in this old hundred year old building. And they had little pews and it was always dark and hardly anyone was in there. And I don't know, you could probably fit 20 people in there, but I would go in there and I would just cry out to God and it'd get dark and I'd walk outside and it was this really um, intimate time with the Lord, um, just coming to a place of like, I, I don't know how it got to that point, um, but I just want, I want you and I don't know how, I don't know how. Yeah. And the truth was, Eric, there were so many lies in my head about who I was at that point in my life. Um, but God, God meets us where we're at. Yeah. Um, and I, I was broken. I still had a lot of issues. I still kept on crushing on boys. Um, but he, he was so faithful in that season and in my life. Um, yeah. So after that, I moved to Pennsylvania, uh, because I just wanted to be, I, I was a psychology major. I wanted to work with young people and I had volunteered or interned with a, um, home for, uh, young parents and young adults who were homeless when I uh, was going to Seattle Pacific. And so I took a job back East at a home for pregnant teenagers. Um, and it didn't work out. No pregnant teens actually came while I lived there, but I was there for eight weeks and I just had this time of loneliness with God. It was just me and him. And I ended up getting a dog while I was there. So it wasn't just <laughs> me, but yeah. Mr. Darcy, I had a little chihuahua. <laughs> oh, that's good. All right. That's, this is probably a Jane Austen obsession. I'm guessing. Yeah. yeah. The romantic thing is real. <laughs> yeah, it is. You're right. That's yeah. good. You can't, I don't know if you can see my dog, but she's down. She's sleeping oh, over there. Oh, cute. Yeah. Mr. Darcy was Jack Russell slash chihuahua and he was obnoxious, but like in all the best ways. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. Okay. So, okay. So you have this kind of time with the season with God. What did that How'd that change you? How'd that kind of, mm. you know, move, move you and move your life down the road? It was just this place of coming to, um, to an acceptance of who I was even then I, I had started, I had been so broken and like so much shame and guilt, um, and just started this place of, or not this place, but finding restoration in that season. Um, and then I came back um, unexpectedly. I was supposed to be there for a year and uh, the ministry wasn't going as expected. And so I ended up coming home and I started working in Seattle. I started going to grad school. Meanwhile, I started having panic attacks. Um, I had some issues going on. Mm. Um, and it's so funny because in that season of high anxiety, wondering like, oh no, and kind of the self-loathing that starts to creep up on you, like, um, I really wanted to start grad school for, for counseling. And I ended up going to Northwest college. It's now Northwest university in Kirkland. And I met my husband there and, um, long story short, we get married and, um, <laughs> the same issues of self-loathing and, uh, comparing and, uh, feeling rejected rear their ugly head, even in a beautiful marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, um, and then we started having some miscarriages and I really wrestled with God. I really started thinking, did I make this all up? Um, is this really true? Because I feel mm -hmm. so alone. Um, when I had my first miscarriage, I've always been kind of a fearful person, but I, I started thinking, well, um, what if I miscarry? My mom's like, no one in our family has, it's not going to happen. Um, and I was 10 weeks along when we went in for our first ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And I remember just being devastated the next day I had to have what's called a DNC, which is the same medical procedure as an abortion basically. Right. But, uh, it was just devastating. Um, and I remember just being in physical pain afterwards. And then I was working um, for a, a great, a great job at the time. And my boss was like, why are you, why do you have such a bad attitude? And then I, that was like insult to injury. I was yeah. just so sad. And a few months later, we got pregnant again. And I just begged God, please, please do not let it happen like it did last time. Please don't. Um, and went in for an ultrasound. 
And right. Actually, it wasn't even an ultrasound. It was a blood draw. And they said, oh, your levels aren't rising like they should. Um, And then I I can't remember. I think they did do an ultrasound. And they're like, well, we see a sac, but we see no embryo. Um, Maybe it's an anembryonic pregnancy. Come back in a few weeks um, if, if you don't lose it. And I lost that pregnancy. And I just remember being so upset. Uh, with the Lord and um, went through a year of like intense um, just grieving people around me were getting pregnant. I felt really jealous. I was comparing again. Yeah. Uh, like God, I, I did all the right things. I, I've been trying to be so good. I've been trying to be good enough. There's a pattern here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the Lord was just he was just faithful in that time, even though I remember late at night talking to my husband one night and I was like, how do you know God is real? And my husband was like, well, I'm a science person. And for every action, there's an equal reaction. And I look and I see there's plenty of evil. I know there's got to be equal amount of good. And for whatever reason that that in my life at that time was exactly what I needed to hear. Um, but yeah, I, I know what it feels like, um, you know, my podcast, Finding Something Real, is for young women who are struggling with identity, with questioning uh, about God and wondering, like, is this for real? Uh, you know, being on the outside looking in kind of, or being on the inside looking out. And I can relate to some of that because I've been through some of those things of yeah. like, whoa, Lord, um, are you are you really good even if even if you don't give me what I want. Yeah. And that's the question we all kind of have to deal with at some level, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, then, yeah. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Yeah. So where, where did, no. where'd that take you? Well, I mean, clearly I have four kids. So. <laughs> you ended up having, having babies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we did. And it's interesting because I remember when we got pregnant with my son, just feeling so much anxiety. And I would just like fill my heart with like scripture and praise and worship and like to fight it off. But it was still a battle. It was a battle. Mm. Um, and I gave uh, birth to Caleb, our oldest. And, um, and then we had three more early miscarriages. And I remember just being in this place again, where I was like, Lord, what is going on? Just hurting, you know, just hurting. Um, And my mom, we had gone back to this fertility clinic that we had gone to for my son. And they're like, we want to run all these invasive tests again. We want to figure this all out with you. And it was going to cost a ton of money. And we, my husband had just changed our insurance. So we couldn't afford it that month. And I was so mad. So everything was going badly. And my mom's like, you know, there's this church service where every year people go and they pray to have a baby. And this is another theme, Eric. I was like, a church service where people pray to have a baby. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to go to that. Uh, that feels so awkward to the point where when I reluctantly did go, I dropped off my son because uh, I didn't want to seem greedy that we were going to go and ask for this child. For another child? You're like, yeah. I already got one. I just yeah, don't I want anybody one. to know that. Yeah, I don't deserve this. So we go in, total workspace here, uh, <laughs> go in to this church service and the pastor, one of them, he says something like this, like, we know that you don't really want to be here. And um, some of you, uh, this is a last re- resort for you. But there's a story in the Bible of uh, this man who was paralyzed being lowered to Jesus. And Jesus saw the faith of the friends and he healed the man. And nowhere in the Bible does it say he saw the faith of the man and healed the man for this story, which is unique. Yeah. And he said, we're here to be those friends for you today. And then at the end of that, the end of that uh, service that day, they did like this altar call, which again, I'm the person who's like, I don't want to go there. I don't want people to know I need, I don't want people to know I need. And my husband grabs my hand because he's way more humble than me. And we walk forward. And we got prayed for, and this woman prayed over us. I don't know who she is, but someday in glory, I'm going to thank her. And she prayed that we would have peace and joy, which were the two things that eluded us. And we got pregnant with our daughter uh, that month, and I started spotting. And I tell this story to people, and I 
and people think it's funny, but I said to God, I'm going to blame you either way. <laughs> yeah. I'm blaming you either way. If I lose this child, I, I'm still giving you, like, I'm, t- I took you with me. Like we stepped out in faith to try to have a baby this month, even when, you know, we were going to go to fertility. Like you were part of our story, Ben, you're part of our story today. If you give me this child, I'm taking you with me. I'm going to blame you. And uh, yeah, we, nine months later, we had Naomi Grace. And the day after she was born, I was telling that story to a woman in the hospital, a nurse. Wow. Um, and that to me was a turning point in my life. Um, it was a surrender. Like God, no matter the outcome, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you whether you give or you take away. Um, your plans are bit better and higher. And um, yeah, that was 2011. And right around that time, going back to my sisters, um, there was just some different things that came up during that season. I started going to therapy and really getting some help for some different things with identity and rejection. And then I started reading reading that book, Crazy Love. And um, yeah, God has just been, he's been my anchor, my strength, my shield, my rock, my everything. And I'm so grateful for him, no matter what tomorrow holds. And sometimes I'll think, man, God, you have blessed us so much. Like if you took it all away, would I still hold on to you? I think that sometimes I'm like, I have so much. (laughs) And then I think, well, I don't have it just by accident. Like I want to pour it back and give it back. And something that I love about hosting a podcast, Eric, and you probably experience this too, is my spiritual journey has been hugely impacted by the conversations I get to have with people about their faith. And one of the things, um, one of the pastors that I've had on my podcast, whom I love, his name's Josh White. And he says this, he says, every other religion in the world is about trying to climb a ladder, trying to be good enough, which was like for so long, the story of my life. And he says, Christianity is a cross that we die on. We're invited to die on. And that, um, yeah, that's my story. That's my faith journey. Um, he has been so good to me. I love that. So what I, what I'm hearing you say, you know, cause we use that language sometimes, uh, you know, obviously cause Jesus used it, but of giving, you know, losing our life, you know, crucifying ourselves, taking up our cross, right. That whole thing. Yeah, and to that, I say yes and amen. But I notice as well, you surrendered. And you gave up like, okay, I'm going to give up my own personal, you know, expectations and the, and the, you know, what I'm demanding of God, I'm just going to take what he's giving me. But what that did is that made you free to also assume the identity that he had for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And that's where it's, it's not just losing ourselves. It's losing the parts of ourselves that we took on to try to be important or to try to be mm-hmm. valuable or to try to be all these yeah. other things. And instead being the person that he said, said we are, which is like yeah. you said earlier, chosen and dearly loved and all those things that, that uh, all the apostles say all over scripture <laughs> that we ignore. So, but, but that, right. So I, so I hear that. And I, so I want to know as you were going through these identity things, you've talked about that quite, quite a bit. Yeah. What was it that, who did you find is Janelle that God is telling you, this is who you really are? Mm, Yeah. Well, I could say all the things that you just said, chosen daughter of God, all those things, but you know, it's funny. I'll I'll tell a story. Um, I led a Bible study uh, a number of years ago and I stopped leading it because of some life changes and the gal who took my place, she was like, so sweet. And she came up to me at some point and she's like, oh my gosh, I never thought of myself as a leader. I never thought that, you know, I mean, she just was so humble and gracious, Eric, and like the sweetest person ever. And inside (laughs) I'm thinking, I wish I was more like that. And I'm not at all. Yeah. (laughs) And I was comparing to her and I thought, you know what? I can't, I can't do a lot of things because I like it too much or I do this or I do that. And then God really convicted me with the parable of the talents. You know, there's a story in the Bible 
right? Yep. I think maybe you and I have talked about this before, where uh, the one, the master leaves to go away and he leaves talents or or money with um, three different servants. And he gives a certain amount to each one. He gives like 10, is it 10? Do you know what I'm talking about? Or five? Yeah. He gives five to the first one. He gives two to the next one. And he gives one to the last one. The one that he gives five to, he invests it. And when he comes back, he's got twofold, right? He's got double. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And then the next one, he takes that, those two talents and he invests them. And the master says, well done, because he's, you know, doubled what he gave him. The last one, he only got one. It's kind of comparing his lot to other people, maybe. Yep. And he buries it. And what does it say? It says that um, he buried it because he knew his master was a root, like, I don't think it uses the word ruthless, but like a ruthless master, like somebody that was hard on people. Yeah. And I don't remember if it was a sermon. I'm sure it was because I don't know that I would get this insight on my own. But his problem wasn't himself. His problem was he mischaracterized the identity of his master. And when I started looking at God for who he was, I did a Bible study um, called Believing God with Beth Moore, transformational in my life. Um, It starts with him, not us. Like if you want to know who you are, if you suck at like your identity game, the more you look at yourself, the more messed up you're probably going to be. I had one girl tell me like, don't look inside. You're the one who screwed up. It's true. <laughs> That's Hillary Ferrer. She, right? she has that great line. It's true. Look at him. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. All these things will be added. When Jesus said all the you know um, commandments being, um, what are they summed up in? It starts with to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Loving yourself is implicit. If you want to, be constantly on this endless struggle. Try to focus on loving yourself first. That's that's what I did for a very long time, you know. Um, so yeah, once I once I started to like grasp this idea that God made me who I am. Um, I used to have, and I, to be honest, I, I'm still working through like a trigger here. Um, <laughs> but I I have a list. And for when I was in high school, I was, I loved drama and I, um, I wanted to do broadcast journalism possibly. And I remember a friend, uh, his mom said to me, Janelle, you're going to have to fix that list before you can do any of that. Yeah. And then later on, I went to speech therapy. I couldn't get rid of it. And I thought, well, I can't do that. And then in scripture, it says like (laughs) with Moses, when Moses is arguing with God about his calling, God's like, who made your mouth? <laughs> right. And um, so, yeah, I, I think what I have discovered is that God gets to decide who I am. And when the more I spend time looking at him, the more I'm okay with who he made me to be, which is somebody who likes getting on and doing broadcasting or yeah. likes writing or likes sharing that writing, creating things. And actually that's part of like the character of God. He likes to create. You know? right. And instead of having shame and guilt, because I don't look like her over there or this girl over here started looking at like, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for how you made me. Thank you for this. You know, thank you that I married a man who loves to cook and I can't stand to cook. <laughs> like <laughs> those good. kind of things. And the more we thank God for who he is and the creation he's made, then we know that it's a lie when we're partnering with things that aren't true. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but it kind of does. It was a really great reflection on it. I love that. Um, yeah, I think that's so, so powerful that uh, we have to let God define who we are. And I love the seed, you know, if you, but when you were wanting to be in broadcasting, right? Like, and to go, okay. And then now you have a podcast and you have this show where, you know, you got a great mic there and you're talking and you're sharing with people and you're doing some really cool work. Um, which I think is is neat. So you're doing this thing uh, on your show where you have co-hosts, right? Mm-hmm. And so tell me, tell us about that a little bit and what you're what you're after with finding something real. Yeah. Well, I started my podcast in the fall of 2019, and wait, it'll be two years. So yes, yep. 2019. And I started it with this idea of ish identity and impetus because before I wanted to be a broadcast journalist, I wanted to be a writer. 
was like, <laughs> I want to write about all these ideas. And what I realized is I couldn't reach the young women in my life who I wanted to reach um, by writing. I wanted to reach them uh, by voice. And this idea of ish identity and impetus, ish being uh, the things that keep us from God, identity, who we are when we spend time with him and when we see ourselves for who we are in reflection of him, and impetus, how we are moved into action when we recognize who we are after recognizing him. And so I started this series where I would have guests on all the time and I got to have these great interviews, but I sat down with some of my exchange daughters, all of them. I was like, are you listening to these podcast episodes? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm like, okay, I'm going to start bringing them to the table. So in April of 2020, I did this whole series on the gospel and I had different co-hosts with me, all girls that don't know Jesus, but I didn't give them the opportunity to share their story. And they were just one-off episodes. It, they went pretty well. I loved them. They were my favorite thing. But I recognized if I really care about people, I want to hear their stories because one of my favorite quotes is by David Augsburger. And it says, being heard is so close to being loved that to the average person, it's basically indistinguishable. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I thought, That's well, amazing. yeah, <laughs> I, I need to listen to these girls, right? And and my master's degree is in counseling. And I'm like, well, maybe I could use these skills. Like, what would be special? Yeah. What would be different? Um, what if, what if I started having a different co-host, kind of like what I did in April, but I allowed her to share her story, just a freedom to share her story, to ask her hard questions about Christianity, whether she's agnostic or deconstructing or just, you know, wondering, feeling skeptical of her faith. And then throughout the month, we together got to have these conversations with Christian guests and they could experience um, some of these, some of these things that maybe I've experienced before, like, don't take my word for it. Maybe is there something real to be found in Jesus? Because I think that until you've experienced it yourself, it's really hard to yeah. talk about. Um, and so I started doing that in February of this year, where I have a different co-host every month. And so far I've uh, been on a journey with Tori, who is in the process of, uh, she's been through what she calls a deconstruction period and her father had passed away. She was really struggling and still, I, I don't know where she's at now, but I was struggling with some of the things that had happened in her life and some of the things that she was taught in her church growing up. And then I spent two months talking with a couple of our exchange family, my exchange daughter from Italy, who's agnostic, is not even sure if she believes in God. And then uh, my, my Dutch daughter's sister and um, then I just wrapped up two uh, months, one with a young woman who identifies as part of the LGBTQ community, and she's wanting God, um, and uh, but feels on the outside looking in, um, and then talked to another girl who is a Christian who's just not sure about giving God everything, kind of likes having fun and partying. And yeah. so we've had some really, really great conversations, and I love it because my co-host and her story curates the rest of the month yeah. um, and it's a journey. Yeah. Which is really neat. And I know it's a little bit more work and I say <laughs> a little bit sarcastically, right? Like it's, it's a lot more to kind of find the co-host and the guests and to try to kind of figure all that out. Um, but so how is that, how's that resonating? Are you hearing from people? Yeah, I, I do hear from people. I, it's, it's interesting because my ideal listener would be that young woman that I get to bring to the table, right? Yeah. A young woman who's actually um, questioning faith. I don't hear from that girl very often. Who I hear from are Christians who go, wow, uh, I'm learning something through this process too. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, if nothing else, like, I love that um, because I think it's very easy. I was on someone else's podcast recently and I was going to share this with her. I don't know if I did, but it's very easy to think of people as projects or think of them as like a number to check yeah. off. Like I'm, I'm going to win this person to Christ. Uh, no, um, Jesus saw the one person right in front of him, you know, and if it's just these girls whose lives I get to impact, that's enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just by walking forward in this journey, using the gifts that God has given me. And it's been really special. Um, every month I have a Patreon episode at the end of the month where I just talk with the girl again, 
with my co-host and we talk about what impact the journey had on her life. And every single one has told me that they were glad that they made this commitment. And it's a commitment. They're making a commitment to yeah. come on and all these different things. But um, it's been it's been really great, Eric. I'm, I, I tell people this all the time. If I could just figure out all the admin stuff and not have to worry about all that, like I would do this for the rest of my life. Like having these kind of conversations yeah. with young people. It's like, it's like I was made for it. That's how I, I love that. That's fantastic. Okay. Well, congratulations and good, good on you. I know you're coming up on two years and it's good for you to follow and iterate until you find what God is kind of asking you to do. And, um, you know what? You never, you just never know, right? You share. And sometimes there's this, you know, somebody listens that you had no idea. And, uh, have you ever heard? So there's an episode, I don't know if I've ever told you the story about, um, Oh, I forgot his name, but this, this guy who he came to Christ at college and the, because the RA showed a Josh McDowell film and he never saw the RA again. Like, and so, and he turned out to be an evangelist, Dan Redman, one of my early episodes, he turned out to be an evangelist and he's literally shared the gospel all over the world. And he goes, I have no idea if that, if that RA who just was faithful to the thing he felt like I was calling him to do even knew, Right. Yeah. And so you just don't know what God's going to do with it, you know, and you're, you're enjoying the journey. And I think that's fantastic. That's, that's the absolute most important part. So people can find you. They can find you where? Yeah. The best places are my website, finding something com, or on Instagram at Janelle underscore M underscore wood. It's Janelle with no E at the end Two else. All right. Very good guys. You can, uh, go do that. Definitely subscribe. I think you'll find uh, finding something real, really interesting. If I can use real twice in one sentence. <laughs> um, I think you'll I think you'll enjoy it. I think it'll be be amazing. And Janelle, you've really shared your heart. I appreciate you doing that. Is there anything you want to leave us with? You know, every day, not every day, but on school days, I will send my children off with the same message. And I, I try to send myself off with the same message, which is who are you? And they'll say to me, children of God, uh-huh. they'll say, who loves you? And they'll say, everybody in our family. And I'll say, but who loves you the most? And they'll say, God, <laughs> they'll say, is anything today going to change that? No. So what? So go and be a light. If you know that you are loved, if you know that nothing's going to change that, if you know who loves you, then you have the, the absolute, like in your hands gift of sharing that with others. That's what I got to leave people with. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. Thanks, Janelle. I appreciate you being here. That's that's amazing. <laughs>